This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. Uh, so that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everything Iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Everything Iconic. my daughter Avery would say, peel back the onion. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. Today on the show, we're going to be recapping this week's Real Housewives of New York. And then following the recap, I have a very special interview with the iconic Billy West. Now, Billy West is a voice actor who's done the voices of so many legendary characters. He voiced Bugs Bunny in Space Jam, which you guys know how I feel about the Looney Tunes. So excited for the new Space Jam. He played Bugs, which I don't know if you recall the original Space Jam. The soundtrack was everything to me. I know I've mentioned my love of Looney Tunes and Space Jam on this show before. But that original soundtrack album, there was a song called Buggin' that this guy did as Bugs Bunny that Jay-Z wrote on that original soundtrack. It was like a rap that Jay-Z wrote that he did the voice for. Uh, he also was the voice, he is the voice of the Red M&M in those Red M&M commercials. He's the voice of Doug and Roger from Nickelodeon's Doug. Uh, he's the lead character in Futurama. I mean, he's done so much work. So I hope you guys will stick around. It's a quick chat after the recap because Billy, I mean, he's a legend. And uh, it was such a delight to get to talk to him. You know, my love of uh, Bugs, Daffy, and the gang knows no bounds. It knows no bounds. Also, I wanted to let you guys know I'm splitting up the Housewives recaps this week because I don't know if I'll be able to get to the Real Houses of Beverly Hills recap right away. So that might be coming later in the week. I will get to it as quickly as I can. Uh, but that's why I decided to split these up. So you guys will have the New York recap after the episode airs. And then Beverly Hills, I'll get to it as quickly as possible. And then one other housekeeping note I have to mention. Actually, two more. Sit tight, little bear. <laughs> Sit tight, little bear. Uh the other thing is, next week, I will be off uh, from the podcast, so there will be no new episodes of Everything Iconic. There's tons for you to catch up on. And one of the things that I prided myself on is that since I started this podcast in 2017, I have not missed one week. There has not been one week that went by that that uh, not at least one new episode hasn't been released. So I've been working hard for the money, you guys. So Danny needs a little breather for the July 4th week. And I still want to keep that record, so there'll be a Patreon episode released uh, next week, but there won't be any new episodes on the main feed. However, if you subscribe to the Patreon, know that I'm recapping Sex in the City from the beginning. I just posted the Season 1 finale recap up there. Just go to patreon.com slash everything iconic. All the details are there, but if you donate $4 more per month, you get access to those bonus episodes where I do one a month. 
Okay, I promise that's all the housekeeping out of the way. Oh, actually, there is one more thing I forgot about. This has no relation to anything we're about to talk about on the podcast. But if you follow me on social media, I mentioned that I've been, uh, I have a song stuck in my head, and it's not even a full song. It's just the Backstreet Boys, uh, All I Have to Give, you know, that song. The one lyric from AJ McLean. (laughs) I can't stop singing that lyric. Does he leave when you need him the most? That does he leave you guys playing over and over my head for the past three days? I can't stop. Can't stop. I mean, AJ, that silky, raspy voiced angel is just repeated in my head. Does he leave? Like literally, I'll be at the fucking post office, the grocery store. The only thing that's playing in my head. Does he leave? Does he leave? I'm so sorry you guys are going to have to hear that. It keeps playing in my fucking head. Excuse my language, but it is. Does it live? Anyway, you guys, we got to talk about Roni. That's what you're really tuning in for. I know that. You know that. We all know that. You want to hear about Roni? Roni's back. We took a week off. And to be honest with you, I wasn't super excited about the new episode this week. I don't know why. I've been defending Roni since the beginning of this season. A lot of people have been saying this season's it's flop era. And I have been uh, defending Roni women, uh, you know, and I will to the day I die. However, this week it came back and I was like, I don't know if I missed it. And that made me sad. It made me think like subconsciously I may be hiding away feelings that I have for Roni. And then when I get on the podcast microphone, I defend it. And I don't know what it is. Are you guys feeling that way with Roni? I, don't, I love them. I love, don't get me wrong. I love those women. And I don't want them off my TV. And as soon as the season ends, I'm going to say, I miss them. I'm going to say, where's our Sonia Tremont Morgan? Where's our Luann Deliceps? Where's Ebony K. Williams? I love the Ebony K. Williams party, too. She just keeps calling it the Ebony K. Williams party, like the Harlem party. She kept saying her full name. I love that. I'm going to miss these women when they're off the air. However, just having that one week off, it was a nice little breather. And then knowing that they were coming back, I was like, I don't know if I miss them that much. I was excited to meet Brashawn, though. And I like that, but I was also confused. Were we being bamboozled in terms of like, was Bershawn friends with Ramona? Because Ramona said they met this summer. And I didn't buy that. I thought producers set them up. How did they meet in the middle of the pandemic? They just happened to meet in the middle of the pandemic. Like, although Ramona, I mean, I know we know that she wasn't really taking the pandemic as seriously as she maybe should have. Uh, but I wonder, like, did they meet at a dinner party at the height of the pandemic? Like, I don't get it. I don't understand. However, their buddies, my theory is that the producers introduced them. And I'm not sure why exactly they wanted her to come on as Ramona's friend. I don't know. I don't know. TBD, we'll have to find out. Uh, but I was excited to meet her. We open on Ebony with one of those Monsters, Inc. people doing her hair and makeup for the Harlem party. No. I'm feeling bad for these hair and makeup people. I don't think I even want to see them on screen because I feel bad for them. That they have to be so covered. This woman, she was spraying her hands up and down. She had the the double mask on. I'm happy they're taking COVID seriously, the protocols. But also, it's like hard to watch these women getting their hair and makeup done by people who are in full like hospital COVID gear. I mean, it's chilling. It's chilling to see. Uh, but they're getting ready for this party. Uh, we see all the women getting ready. Sonia, she's got all of her outfits together, and she said, this is my Harlem uh, uh, my Harlem dress. And she said, it also looks like great pandemic wear. <laughs> that made me laugh so much. She's looking at the dresses with the intern. She, this is very Harlem or very pandemic wear. And it's like, I don't know what that means, but I'm going with it. Uh, she says she knows Harlem as a tourist. 
She says, if I can't walk there, you're going to have to drag me there. And I sort of get this. You know, in New York, I think it's similar in that way to L.A. Like, in L.A., I live in West Hollywood area. Like, I'm not getting out to the Valley too often. You know, like, if you invite me to Santa Monica, I'm sorry. I'm just not going to go to Santa Monica. Like, it's too far. Traffic is so unpredictable. You don't know how long it's going to take. Something in California, I, we've talked about this in the Vanderpump Rules recaps. It's like, you can leave at uh, 4 o'clock, and some days it'll take you 10 minutes to get 3 miles, and other days it'll take you 3 hours to get 3 miles. You just don't know. You just don't know. And you have to leave parties at random times to try to beat the traffic. You know, sometimes you leave when someone needs you the most. Does he leave? When do you need him the most? <laughs> I'm so stupid. I shouldn't be allowed a soundboard, you guys. I shouldn't be allowed it. Somebody should come take this away. Somebody remove it from my apartment because... Does he leave? Anyway, yeah, sometimes somebody leaves when you need them the most at a party, and it's because you're trying to miss traffic. And so I did get Sonia Tremont Morgan saying, like, if it's not in my neighborhood, you're going to have to drag me there. I get that. Uh, then meanwhile, Lou's at her, depart- at her house. I almost said department store, because there were 100 fucking Giovanni dresses on that bed. It felt like we were at a, a Macy's or something. Because did you guys see Lou's bed? A million Giovanni dresses. And then the one she chose was very Corella DeVille to me, like very off-brand Corella DeVille. It was Giovanni. But I thought, am I looking at Emma Stone? Am I looking at uh, the other one, Glenn Close? By the way, I liked that Cruella DeVille movie. I did. I thought it was great. wasn't expecting much, but I loved it. Uh, anyway, uh, Luann says in regards to Harlem, Jocks and I were close to Harlem when we were living together. You know, she lived near Harlem with Jocks, and she said her and Jocks used to go. Remember Jocks was a stand-up comedian last season? <laughs> what the fuck was that about? What was that about? I know we talked about that last season, but still I say, well, what the fuck? Uh, so then we cut to Ramona, who is meeting, uh, greeting Bershawn. We finally get to meet Bershawn. Um, she says, I met her through mutual friends. Um, and then they talk about how Ramona doesn't go outside of her neighborhood either. And they did a flashback to Ramona from like season one or two when Ramona refused to go to Brooklyn to see Alex and Simon. I think that was it. Was it Alex and Simon or was this the Cindy Barship season? Unclear. Uh, no, it wasn't the Cindy Barship because Jill Zarin was there. Was Jill Zarin in the Cindy Barship season? Everything's running together in my head. Yes, she was. Jill Zarin was there at the Cindy Barship season. How could I forget? Anyway, uh, Ramona went to go to Brooklyn, is the point. And they did a flashback to the reunion. And Jill Zarin says, Where do you think Brooklyn is? Ohio? It made me miss Jill Zarin. It did. I miss Jill Zarin. I miss early season Roni. I do. I miss those first three, four seasons, five, six, seven. You know, I miss any of, the, any of the earlier seasons that aren't now. I miss them. I miss them. Uh, then we see everyone showing up to this party. Luann, again, Corella DeVille cosplay. She's got the gloves on, Giovanni. No one can walk down the stairs into this party. There's like those, um, the stairs have those crates or whatever, the holes in them. And everyone's sort of hobbling down. Sonia's hobbling down. Ramona asks for an elevator. She just asks, is there an elevator here? And it was only 10 steps. At a certain point, I'm like, Ramona, just hobble down the steps like everyone else. You could slide on that railing if you need to. I've seen her on Instagram dancing up a storm. She could dance on her Instagram live. She could certainly slide down the railing and uh, make it those 10 feet. Okay, so Ramona's asking for an elevator. Uh, Sonia, though, when she sees Ebony, is, uh, when she sees Ebony, she immediately spots the bubbies. She says, I see headlights. And that was funny to me. Sonia just didn't even, <laughs> just looked immediately at 
Ebony's Bubby's and was like, I see headlights. You know, I need Sonia. Sonia's good at brightening things up. And especially when she's just a little, uh, when she's not super drunk, it's nice. Uh, Brashawn seems nice right away. Sonia says uh, Ramona, uh, uh, Ramona apparently had said really nice things about Sonia to Brashawn. And Sonia says Ramona and her will talk shit with the group. But when other people are involved, uh, they stick up to others. Okay, so it's 24 hours after the election. All the women are about to go into the room to have their dinner. And Ebony says, does anyone have a phone? Let's take out a picture. Ramona immediately whips out her phone. And here's the thing. I really related with Ramona on this one. Because when I'm in a group atmosphere, I want the pictures to be on my phone. Right? Because when a friend does it, they always end up posting the picture that you look worst in. You know, everyone, whoever's got the phone, got the pictures, got the power. And so I really related to Ramona wanting it to be her phone. She could adjust, she could facetune, she could add whatever the fuck filter she wanted to the photo. I understood that. I was like, yes, that's exactly how I'd be. If I'm with a group of you, I will say, let's take a photo on my phone. I'll text it to you, I'll send it to you, but let me look at the ones we take. I won't even edit it. I'll just look at the ones we take. And I will send you the best one of me. And then you can post that one or not. Or you can you can edit that one if you want. But I will not just willy-nilly let anyone take something with their phone. It's not safe. It's not okay. And all of you need to do that. Think that way uh, when you're out with your friends. When you're out with your friends. Although they're about to take this photo. And then Ramona said, wait, we can't take a photo like this. She says, we can't. Uh, we can't have all white and black. And so she decides to mix up the group because she doesn't want the photo to just be the three black women are at this dinner and then the other white women who are at this dinner. And uh, the women agreed, Leah, Ebony, they all agreed that that was a good thing to do, uh, mix up the group a little bit. Uh, Ramona does say, I'm a virgin to Harlem. And she tells like the mixologist, I don't think you consider Rayos Harlem. Have you guys ever eaten at Rayos? I hope I'm saying that right. It's Rayo, Rayos, Rayos. There's one in Vegas, and I've been to the New York one before. Oh, it's the best. And they have the sauces. You can get their sensitive marinara. We always buy their sensitive marinara. You know, because the marinara, jarred marinara is a pain in the ass to buy. Does anyone else feel this way? I hate buying a jarred marinara. They're all so fucking salty. And I'm very sensitive to sodium. Like, I blow up like a blowfish with a little bit of sodium. And every time I'm looking for a jarred marinara, and I get, I'm Italian. My mom says, don't make, uh, don't buy jarred marinara. You know, you're not, you make your own jarred marinara in the Pellegrino household. I get it. But every once in a while, you just want to have a can in the cupboard and you can't get one at the store because they're all loaded with sodium and all sorts of junk. And the minute I have one scoop of one of those other jarred marinaras and I suddenly uh, look a hundred pounds heavier. So I'm always looking for that Rayo's sensitive marinara at the grocery store. And it's, it's still salty, you guys. It's not perfect. But it's much better than those other ones. It's the only one. Granted, it's like $100 for that little bottle. I mean, it's way overpriced, I believe. Rayos, if you want to sponsor this podcast, though, or send me some, you know, I'm all in. You know, I'm all in. I think it's owned by like a Pellegrino, too. The restaurant, I think it's owned by like a Frank Pellegrino. Um, not related to me, but, you know, they could send me some stuff. We love them. We love them over here and everything iconic. Uh, only jarred marinara I'll buy. Anyway, what were we even talking about? Oh, so we're doing a Harlem night with Ebony K. Williams. She keeps repeating that title of this place, and she gives everyone a gift. Everyone got some candles, a reason why they got a candle. Uh, then Leah's sister arrives. I don't know if you caught this, you guys. When Leah's sister arrived, Ramona said hi. So nice. She said, hi. And we know Ramona hates Leah's sister. Like, I think that's been established before in this program. 
And so the fact that Ramona looked so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, greeting Leah's sister, just made me laugh so much. It was a really little moment, but I caught it. I saw Ramona's face. Um, so then everyone sits down for dinner. Ebony assigns everyone a Harlem icon, and the women aren't interested, let's be honest. Lou wants food and music. She says, this is not the Harlem I'm used to. You know, she was assigned like Billie Holiday, I think. Is that who Lou got? And Ramona says, I'm feeling this is a very informative, but uh, where's dinner? You know, the women just want to eat and drink and be merry. And they're all assigned someone. And I get Ebony's trying to teach these women things. And that's very important. These uh, women cannot, we all can uh, learn a lesson here. Uh, however, it's just not what they expected. They are all showing up, expecting a speakeasy with some cocktails, some food. There was some food. What was that octopus? That was the only uh, the only plate I noticed. I'm sure there were other courses, but the only thing I really noticed was that was it octopus or whatever. Unclear. Uh, then let's see. Oh, Bershawn. There was like a little awkward moment between Bershawn and Ebony, where Bershawn says uh, everyone's the same, and Ebony feels uh, she said undermined. Because Ebony put all this work in teaching these women about these icons and black culture. And then Bershawn, uh, Ebony feels sort of undermined at her by saying, look, we're all the same. Yada, yada, yada. What's yada, yada, yada from? Is that Seinfeld? Why am I saying yada, yada, yada? I don't think I've ever said that on this show in my life. Yada, yada, yada. Sometimes you guys, I hear things on this show. I don't even know what I'm saying half the time. And then sometimes people write me on social media. I'm like, when did I say that? <laughs> a lot of you are asking me about Tommy Two-Tones on the Real Houses Beverly Hills recaps. They're like, where does Tommy Two-Tones come from? I'm like, I don't fucking know. I said it one day. And now that's what we call him. That's all. I don't even know. I get behind the microphone. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what I say here. Uh, but some of it sticks. Some of it doesn't. Some of it sticks. Some of it doesn't. So yada, yada, yada. That's from Seinfeld, I think, though. Yeah. Uh, so then Ramona says she's got to leave. She got vertigo again. There was like a very scripted moment between Sonia and Ramona that was making me crack up where, uh, Ramona's like, I gotta go. And Sonia's like, you got that vertigo again? And Ramona's like, yeah, how'd you know? And then all the women are like, what are you talking about vertigo? And Ramona's like, I'll show you. And then she stands up with Sonia and they do this like very choreographed vertigo explanation or something. Honestly, they should have done this bit in that weird talent show they did a couple weeks ago, because this was very uh, well done, honestly. It was like Ramona just was like, oh, this is what happens when I get vertigo, and then like her equilibrium was off, and she started falling, as if, uh, I don't know what was going on there. It was like, as if Sonia and Ramona had planned that, right? Did it feel that way to anyone else? It was very funny, though. Uh, when Ramona said, I'll show you the vertigo, Lou goes, you'll show us your vertigo? And you know that Lou was pissed because Lou wanted out of that dinner, too. She was, like, thinking in her head, why the fuck didn't I think of vertigo? She's thinking, how do I get out of here now? I can't use a vertigo excuse, so what can I say? Lou was thinking. It was in overdrive. Lou's mind was in overdrive, which I feel like Lou's mind in overdrive is like the rest of ours at uh, steady pace. <laughs> you know <laughs> That was mean. No, that was mean. I'm just kidding. You guys, we love Lou. We love Lou. Uh, Bershawn, meanwhile, reveals that she had stage four cancer and survived 13 years later. That's amazing. That's amazing. It was heavy, though. It was heavy, but I was proud of Bershawn. And uh, Leah had revealed, I don't know if Leah had revealed this before about her grandma having colon cancer. Did anyone hear that? I know we always talk about getting the colonoscopies, and I'm hearing from so many of you who have listened to this podcast and set up your colonoscopies with your doctors. I'm so proud of that. So once again, since I heard colonoscopy on the Roni episode, uh, I want to recommend you talk to your doctor about it. That's all I'll say. 
I'll say. Um, then let's see, Ramona, um, she does, before she leaves, she does say, look, I'm a perfectionist. She says, your table's perfect, blah, blah, blah. And then she leaves. And right when she leaves, Brashawn brings up dicks. She brings up small dicks. She says, can anyone date someone with a four-inch penis? Which I just have to say, I mentioned the Everything Iconic Patreon. I recapped the very last episode of season one last week of Sex in the City. And there's a whole plot line where Samantha's dating this guy that she really loves, but he's got uh, she, he's got a small dick. He had a three-inch dick on that Sex in the City episode that she calls a gherkin. She said, uh, what the fuck am I going to do with a gherkin? Those weren't Samantha's exact words. It was something, what the fuck am I going to do with a gherkin? That was a bad Samantha, but you guys get the picture. What the fuck am I going to do with a gherkin? <laughs> and in that episode, Charlotte's like, what, is he a good kisser? You know, like Charlotte's always looking on the bright side. And then the other women are like, you got to get rid of him. Got to get rid of that three-inch dirt gherkin. Can't do it. Can't do it. Uh, so then, yeah, they talk about that. It was a good thing Ramona left. Luann says, I don't think I, I've ever seen a penis that small in regards to four inches. Four inches is too small, you guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He can leave uh, when I need him the most if he's got a four-inch dick. Does he leave? Does he leave? He can leave if he's got a three-inch gherkin. Okay, then we cut to Leah and Ebony the next day talking about the night. Uh, Leah says that uh, white people are afraid to get it wrong in regards to these race conversations, and so they're quiet, she says, in regards to the other women. And then Leah tells Ebony that she's intimidating, and Leah tells Ebony it's not her job to teach these women. And that's one of the things that I've been feeling with Ebony is, like, I do feel bad that she's got to come on this show and, uh, you know, try to educate these women so much, who need to be educated, by the way. However, it's just like a heavy burden to bear, and I see Ebony bearing that burden, and I just want Ebony to have a good time, just like all the other women who come on these Housewives shows are afforded to do, the luxury to do. Do you get what I mean? Uh, then we cut to a scene with Lou and Victoria. Now, I wasn't really paying attention to this scene. I'll be honest. I wasn't paying a lick of attention. I did notice that Victoria has like Lou's deep, sexy vocals, which I thought was great. And she said something about, like, you're my mom, and when I was younger, I knew you as the way you are now. And then they showed us flashback of like Luann greeting Victoria at the door, like in season one, two, three. And then another scene of Luann in the back of the police car getting, uh, assaulting a police officer. So that was like a good way to remind us, like, this is how far Lou's come. She's coming back around again. It's full circle. Get what I mean? Uh, and then there was a scene with Leah and her daughter talking about high school. Um, then we have Ramona having Ebony over. Oh, and this was interesting. So Ramona, first of all, is showing off them legs. She's got great legs, so good for her. But uh, Ebony sits down and she says, how are you feeling about our election in our city? And Ramona says, I really don't want to talk about it. I've been thinking about it a lot, and I don't want to talk politics. And Ramona says, they say, don't talk politics with friends. She says, I know we have more in common than just politics, so let's peel back the onion. She says, Avery always says, peel back the onion. As my daughter Avery would say, peel back the onion. <laughs> I can't believe that we're attributing that to Avery. I thought it was attributed to the movie Shrek, you know, as most things in life. I'm not sure who the pers- first person has said uh, something about peeling back an onion, but and certainly in my mind it was Shrek. That gentle giant, I swear he was the first one to do it. Shrek did, didn't he? Wasn't that whole first movie about peeling back the onion, him and Donkey? Did Donkey have a name? Unclear. Uh, but 
I thought he was the first to say it, but Ramona doesn't remember seeing the movie Shrek. I'm sure she's seen it. Do you guys think Ramona has seen Shrek? Maybe we should talk about that for five minutes. Do you think Ramona has ever sat down and watched the Shrek, uh, is it a four-part series? How many Shrek movies are there? There was Shrek, Shrek 2, uh, Shrek 3, and Shrek Forever After. I feel like Shrek Forever After was the only one with like an interesting name. There was one with uh, Dustin Timberwolf in it. Uh, and then one where Larry King, wasn't was Larry King in all of them? Those movies were wild. Remember, everyone thought how brilliant those Shrek movies were at first. Remember? <laughs> Weird time. I think it was the, one of the first DVDs I owned. It was like that and The Fast and the Furious, which is still kicking. Uh, however, I remember when Shrek came out, everyone, it was like critically acclaimed. It was like people thought that was the greatest animated film. It won like the best Academy Award Oscar for animated film. It beat the Pixar movies, which these Pixar movies, they're all about like this very heady stuff, you know, very. Uh, detailed scripts. And then I remember Shrek came along and everyone was just like, oh my God, he's an ogre that turned to a human. <laughs> no one could believe it. No one could believe it. And then he fell in love with Cameron Diaz, who was also at one point a Shrek, or she turned into Shrek at the end. It was all about loving yourself for who you are. I mean, it was a great message. But I just remember back at that, in those days, 2001, you know, I've always followed movies and reviews and everything. And people thought the Shrek was like the greatest thing since sliced bread. It was like, oh my God, did you guys see that movie? <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry about that Shrek detour, but uh, I felt like we had to talk about it. And I wonder, has Ramona ever seen Shrek? Unclear. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll be back with more. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, I'm sure a lot of you out there can relate, because every time there's a commercial break and I'm watching one of my shows, I'm always hopping on the Redfin app or website, because I just want to check out real estate listings. Like, I love checking out real estate listings, even for the houses that I cannot afford. It's my favorite app to use Redfin. Uh, I just got a home, of course, but it was a pretty stressful process, and if I would have known how easy Redfin was, I think it would have helped out a lot. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations, so finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Well, book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process, making it so easy. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents with a listing fee as low as 1%. Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards your next home. Now, that's a great thing. I love using Redfin. I love checking out. If you're buying or selling a home and you need some help with that, check out Redfin. Download the Redfin app to get started. Um, but Ramona doesn't want to talk about this stuff, so she goes to the other room, and she starts venting to Coco. And Coco, if you've noticed, this whole season, we always cut to Coco, who's just, like, pacing. There was that one scene a couple weeks ago where Leah was uh, finding out very uh, sad information about her grandmother passing, and they just did a close-up of Coco, who was wearing all these like fucking butterfly clips in her hair. Um, and Coco is just like a main cast member at this point, you know? And I love it. I love it. Uh, Ramona decides to put on a butterfly necklace that apparently is her and Avery. Puts her in her happy place. She says, everybody wants it, but it's a one-of-a-kind. And she goes back in the room and says, you're preaching. Ebony says, that's gaslighting. Ramona says, you're gaslighting me. And then uh, Ramona says, I don't want to talk about race, religion, or creed. And she says, the other women feel the same way that you're preaching. Then they show a flashback to Lou and Sonia and Ramona 
talking about how that dinner, the Harlem Ebony K. Williams dinner, uh, they felt like it was Ebony was teaching them a lot and it wasn't a fun time. And so uh, Ramona then cut back in that scene. We see Ramona saying, I'm feeling like I'm being attacked. She said, I did all this research. I, I researched E.J. Walker, who's the first black woman uh, millionaire. And then Ebony corrects her and says, no, it's C.J. Walker. And Ramona goes, whatever. <laughs> I mean, Ramona, you guys, Ramona was just made me laugh. Whatever. Oh, that made me laugh. It made me laugh. Uh, Ramona is, starts to kick out Ebony. I thought Ebony was going to be kicked out of that house, but then they somehow made up. They somehow made up. And by the end of the scene, you guys, Ramona and Ebony were tickling and hugging each other. Ramona says, I was up at 5 a.m. researching that shit about E.J. Walker. It was really C.J. Walker, but you know, Ramona said she was up at 5 a.m. researching that shit, she said. She said, plus I got the vertigo. I don't know if you caught that moment, too. She's like, I've been trying. She says, I was up at 5 a.m., researching about who was the first millionaire, and I got the vertigo. She kept adding, like, I feel like the rest of the season, Ramona's just going to keep adding, and I got the vertigo. So it's like anything that Ramona does that's off or, you know, she screws up, she's just going to be like, well, I got the vertigo. I got the vertigo. I showed you the vertigo. I did a demonstration of the vertigo. I got the vertigo. Anyway, you guys, that's the end of the episode of this week's Rallys of New York. Next week, they're in Salem. Uh, We also see Sonia with the matchmaker. Very excited about that. Very, very excited. So um, that's the recap. I want to say please find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. And I hope you guys will stick around to hear this quick chat with Billy West. Again, Space Jam is out on 4K July 6th. So you can pick it up. It's a great gift. And you guys, Space Jam was everything to me as a kid. You don't understand. I don't know if you guys understand. Me getting to talk to Bugs Bunny, you guys, what a delight. I don't think you guys, I, I don't know if you get how much I love Looney Tunes. I've talked about it on the show, and I've also showed you pictures of my sketch pad when I was a kid of all these sketches I did of the Looney Tunes characters, you guys. I was obsessed deeply, deeply, and I'm so impressed. You know, I want to do voice work. That's like my dream job. So if anyone's a cartoonist or something, hire me. If you have an animated film, just put me in it. I'll do this voice. I could do other voices, you know. I know sometimes I screw up my impressions on this program. <laughs> but if you need a character that sounds like my Luann, you know, call me up. Hit me up. My DMs are open. Um, is trying what I'm trying to say. Because I envy voice actors, and it'd be a dream come true to voice an animated character. Billy West also talks about being such a successful voice actor while also being someone on the autism spectrum, which I think is very fascinating. So I hope you guys enjoy. I did the interview over Zoom, and I was like covered in Space Jam merch. I had Space Jam Looney Tunes toys behind me. I mean, I had the whole kit and caboodle. So uh, without further ado, I'll play my chat with Billy West. Again, friendly reminder that this week's Real Houses Beverly Hills recap might be a little bit late, and then next week there will be no new episodes in the Everything Iconic main feed. However, I will try to get a Patreon episode out uh, next week. So enjoy your July 4th holiday, and here's Billy West. I'm here with the legendary Billy West, of course, uh, the voice of Bugs Bunny and Space Jam and so many others. Billy, how are you doing today? Very well, thank you. How about you? Good. I'm very excited to talk to you. Now, as you can see, I'm a big Space Jam uh, junkie. I was 11 when the movie came out, and so it just hit me (laughs) in that sweet spot. So I want to run through a lot of your work, but I thought we'd start with Bugs Bunny and Space Jam. So what 
is the process of taking over that iconic character like? <clears throat> Let's see. I was working in radio still in New York. I was on the Howard Stern show and uh, Ivan Reitman was producing Howard's movie, Private Parts. And uh, he got a load of me on the show in action. And he uh, asked if I would audition for Bugs for Space Jam. And I, I did. And I went to California. I was still living in New York, but I went to Los Angeles to audition. And he hired me. You know, it's like, I always loved Bugs Bunny. Mel Blanc was one of my heroes. But to, to take on something like that was was a big deal. I just did my work. I did my homework. Plus, I saw, I was very familiar with the work. It, it's just the whole attitude thing that Bugs had, you know. Ain't I a little stinky? I love it. I love it. And so uh, you mentioned Mel. And when you're going into even just audition for something like that, are you just totally blocking out what Mel did? Or are you kind of taking pieces of what he did with Bugs? No, you have to you have to hold up the franchise. You've got to be as uh, faithful as you can be. And hopefully the director likes the style that you're doing it in because there was different bugs. You know, there was the Bob Clampett one and then there was the Frizz Freeling one and then there was the um, uh, Robert McKimson one. And and they directed them in different ways, directed Mel Blanc in different ways. You know, and then there's the uh, Chuck Jones. Chuck Jones, and you've done a bunch of Looney Tunes projects. Is there one that you think is sort of just the final product is the best? Or do you have a favorite amongst sort of all of the Looney Tunes projects you've done? You know, Space Jam would be the culmination culmination of, uh, you know, wanting to perform that character and was lucky enough to be able to do it. Um, we also made a record off the soundtrack that was called Buggin'. And it was uh, written by Jay-Z. You know, it was a rap and it was a nightclub hit. I just thought it was pretty funny Isn't that, that Bugs would, uh, you know, live to, to be in the house. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild. I remember going to basketball games and listening to that whole soundtrack to sort of pump me up when I was a kid. It was, it was wild. Uh, you've done so much uh, incredible, iconic voice work. I mean, there's so many things. I, I thought I'd sort of just run through some of your highlights and, and some more obscure things and maybe just have get your take on it. First, I want to uh, go into the red M&M. Now, the red M&M, mm. you're in the commercials. Specifically, there's a, a holiday commercial that runs every single year with Santa. And right. that's that's your voice doing the red M&M in that one, right? Yes, so that one, I believe that's to probably one of the most enduring and creative campaigns in like all of commercial history. Do you have any memories about recording that one? I just thought it was pretty neat to, to just be part of the American landscape, you know, I mean, like a, a character like that. And I worked with J.K. Simmons, who was uh, J. Jonah Jameson in the Spider-Man movies, a million others. He was he won an Oscar. Right. Whiplash. For, movie Whiplash. And uh, he was in the studio two days later working with me. I mean, he's a journeyman. That was 25 years ago, I think. Maybe more. Still every year. Recorded it for that Christmas. I know. It's it's pretty wild. So does this, uh, when it replays at Christmas, do you get residuals from that? Or was it like an upfront thing? Well, in the words of Red, uh, yes, respectively, I do. (laughs) 
I love that. To me, that's like up there. It's like that uh, Christmas M&M commercial and then the Hershey, Hershey Kiss commercial where they're like the Jingle Bells. Those two play every year and it's not the holidays until I see both of those on TV. Yeah, that and uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, okay, Doug. Now, a, a particular millennial generation, we grew up on Doug. It was a very important character. You voice Doug and you voice Roger when it was on Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can you tell me about that experience? What's it like getting in the, in the voice or in the head of Doug? Well, I was more like a Doug when I was 10, 11 years old. I did a lot of fantasizing. I'm on the autism spectrum. I had OCD, ADHD, you name it. I felt like I didn't fit in. And and then when this character came along, I thought just he he's he's got to be super sensitive. He's got to be like, um, you know, I was um, an empath because of the conditions that, that goes part and parcel with having being on the uh, autism spectrum. And it's almost you can smell what other people are thinking. It's very strange. And uh, and Doug was real sensitive and he conjured up images of how things could go wrong or how they could go beautifully. And I think they did a really good job. Um, you know, and he was a painfully shy, letting a half year old. And uh, this is my dog, pork chop. And, you know, and the, the, the bad kid, Roger, was based on a, a real person that tormented me when I was little. <laughs> you know, he was pointy. He, his finger was point into my chest and his hair came to a point and his nose came to a point and his chin and his shoes and it was just like yeah funny loser <laughs> they're older now though they're older it's 25 or so years later so i pictured uh you know doug uh dear journal today i blew up a courthouse <laughs> you know and he has to go to court and roger is the federal magistrate judge Oh, look who's in my courtroom. <laughs> loser, funny, 25 years in jail. You got loser written all over your face. It's even spelled wrong. Oh, no. We need a reboot of Doug. No, I mean, you, you, you think that everybody's going to turn out. This is what real life is like, though. I mean, you think so-and-so is going to, of course, he's going to have this kind of a future. And of course, this other kid's going to wind up dead or in jail. But I've seen the, I've seen the reverse happen right. in my life. But I mean, I was just me fooling around. When you're working on something for Nickelodeon versus uh, Warner Brothers or a Disney project, do you notice a, a difference in, in the writing? I mean, Nickelodeon was always a little bit edgier. Nick was the original one. So they were pretty much going off their gut, going by their gut. You know, there wasn't tons of research it was only so much. The more research you do, the more you find out that you can't do. And, you, and, um, and then there's sensitivities, and, and uh, especially nowadays. Speaking of sensitivities, you also did re- both Ren and Stimpy from Ren and Stimpy. Do you have a favorite amongst the two of them or did you enjoy kind of bringing them both to life? I like doing both of them a lot. I mean, it was very cathartic for me. It was a lot of screaming. And yelling. I mean, full voice. They used to come out of there and I'd have no voice. It got out a lot of aggression. And, you know, but the thing is, is your body, when you're play acting, your body doesn't know that you're, you're not really in battle. You know, it's like your body acts as though you were in combat or you were in trouble or you were fighting. And so you get all worn out after stuff like that. 
what uh what do you recommend for soothing the voice like what do you use or what do you do to come down from these sessions oh i don't know i was when somebody said use sandalwood oil like aromatherapy i'd be i'd have it i'd put it on my throat and it was like you know you know it was up in my mind mostly i think i just had to do it i had to find a way to do it and i did uh, you voice Philip J. Fry in Futurama, and there's a lot of r- rumors about a reboot. Have you heard anything about that? And uh, what do you what do you like most about that character? I like him because he's uh, unassuming. He hasn't thought that much about what he wants out of life. Otherwise, he'd be more divisive. He's more like you know a Candide type character. You know, everything is kind of new and. And as far as romance goes, I wanted him because in my real life, when I was a teenager, I was a project for a girl. I was a real project, you know, and girl wanted to you know, fix me and get your hair done different and buy clothes, you know, and <clears throat> I was a project and I wanted Fry to be a project for Leela, you know, like he couldn't quite know what to do with himself. He just knew that he liked her or loved her. Is there any of these characters that you voiced in the past that you would like to see rebooted or one that you feel is especially sort of primed for a, a, another appearance or a reboot? Well, Futurama, I have terrible separation anxiety. To me, that was the best work I ever was involved with because of the writing and the people, the cast. You know, they were all brilliant, brilliant people. And uh, it was just nothing but fun. Ren and Stimpy, I was kind of on my own, but... You know, I, I mean, if they brought that back, I could see myself being involved with it. I want to ask you about a slightly more obscure credit on your uh, IMDb page, which is all of the other reindeer. Now, this was a Christmas special produced by Drew Barrymore that I remember watching when it was on. And it was very odd. But I was wondering, do you remember that experience or uh, anything you could tell me about that uh, special in particular? Yeah, it was produced by the Curiosity Company, which was Matt Groening's production company. You know, it was just it was just a very interesting uh, experience, and it had a good look. Yeah, that's what I remember most about it. Was it just it, it stuck out to me in the way the animation was done? I thought it was was very unique. And I kissed Drew Barrymore. <laughs> I got to ask you about Disenchantment, which is currently on Netflix. Are you having mm-hmm. fun? I mean, the writing on that is also fantastic. Oh, it's it's just it's delightful. I mean, it's it's almost like Futurama, only in a in a whole other way. I just feel fortunate, you know, that that Matt was thinking about us and wanted us to come in and try out for these different characters with me. I just want to keep doing stuff that, that can generate some kind of excitement or, uh, but not make them two dimensional, that, that they have some weird depth to them that you can speculate on them. And, you know, they make you think about things. When you get a, a script or you're going into audition for a character, do you hear the voice in your head or is it something you work on over time? Like how, what's the process like when you're starting with a character? You know, they give you a lot of information about what they're looking for. They give you a little bit of background. They give you some attitude suggestions, um, you know, descriptive. And you have to go off that. And usually uh, my first instincts are the ones I go with. Because anything after that, you, you've done too much thinking. If something strikes you, some cosmic jolt, you know, strikes you in the head, go with it. And I've never gone wrong. 
by doing that. And even if the care, even if the voice is like weird or off the nose and people are going, I don't know, how can we possibly do, you know, just try it, you know, and, and then it becomes a big deal. Is there a famous character like a, I, I know you voice Woody Woodpecker, but is there like a famous cartoon character from the Flintstones or, 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 or one of these sort of classic cartoons that you would love to step into or that you feel like you have a voice ready uh, to step into that role? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I've done um, tons of uh, legacy characters, you know, a lot of Hanna-Barbera stuff. It's fun work. But I'm more interested in uh, when somebody comes to me with descriptions of a character that no one's ever seen or heard before. And it's like, you know, they want you to interpret it for them based on the information that they're giving you. And they, you know, and they hope you're the one. Everybody that comes in there, they hope you're the one. Make their job a little easier. Do you have a favorite amongst all of the ones that you've done? I mean, there's so many we could talk about, but do you have a favorite? Fry because you know and and Doug I mean because I put a lot of little qualities of my own into those characters just to to give them a life an inner life hopefully that that people perceive those characters to be that way like Matt Groening said one time he said Simpsons is a cartoon he said Futurama is real in other words you could see being around the professor you could see talk asking them questions you could hang out with Fry. You know, they seem like like real rather than cartoony, I guess. You are such an inspiration. I mean, I've been such a huge fan of your work. I know I, I don't have much more time with you, but your legacy will live on forever. And you've brought to life so many amazing characters. And I just want to thank you for all of that. Well, thank you for that. That it means the world to me that you feel like that. Believe me. I just keep working until they tell me don't come in no more. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. Okay, so I just want to wrap this up. Is there any way, I feel free to say no, but is there any way you could say you're listening to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino as maybe Bugs or Doug or, or, or one of these amazing characters? This is Colonel Zap Brannigan, or Captain Zap Brannigan, or Admiral Zap Brannigan. Take your pick, yeah. Winner of this year's Modesty Award also, and you're listening to All Things Iconic with Danny Pellegrino. And uh, this is your one stop for this sort of thing. 
Thank you, Billy. Billy, this was such a delight. I want to encourage all the listeners to pick up uh, Space Jam on 4K. Uh, I know I will. Billy, thank you so much for taking the time. This was truly a pleasure and an honor. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. I'll see you around. Bye. Bye. 